You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening, good evening. Thank you so much for joining me on this evening. Again, you are listening to the Manifesting God podcast, and I am your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth Kenyon, and I so appreciate your time. I know it's a holiday kind of weekend. Some of you might have the ribs still in your mouth, but I'm telling you, keep on chewing on that rib while I give you some word, some word, what God is saying to you this evening. Give you something else to chew on spiritually. Yes, you can do them both at the same time. Today, we are going to talk about the facts of our faith. We're talking about the facts of our faith. We're protecting our worship and our servanthood. That's what we're talking about today. Go with me to Matthew 4. We're going to start at verse 1, where it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2 says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, of course, he was hungry. Can somebody say it's about your appetite? What exactly do you crave? Come on, don't look at that food from it. Don't put it down now. It's about your appetite. What do you crave? What is it that you desire? That is what the enemy would like to know. Verse three says, the tempter came to him and he said, if you, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Come on, the question here is, will you submit your power in God to your carnal desires? Will you submit your power in God to your natural desires? Verse four, let's keep going. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word, on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Can we chew on that? Can we chew on that? That we live off of every word that is coming from the very mouth of God. Can we chew on that? Or do we recognize that fulfilling the desires of the flesh would never satisfy the godly appetite that we have? Can we recognize that God has everything He has everything that we need for not only our natural sustenance, but also our spiritual sustainment. It is God's word which sustains us. There is nothing in the world that can sustain us. Only the word of God. Come on, I like to say it like this. His breath to our breath, the breath of God that gave us life is the same breath of God that gives us the word of God. And that breath is transitioned right to us. It's this communication, his breath to our breath, continual life, continual life. Okay. So let's go to verse five, verse five, verse five in Matthew four says, then the devil, he took him to the holy city and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple, the highest 
offering of the temple. Remember, we're talking about the facts of our faith. We're talking about protecting our worship and our servanthood. So he got taken, Jesus was taken to the holy city, to the highest point of the temple. You know, I couldn't help when I saw this in this particular version of the Bible. When I saw this, I thought about that highest point of the temple. It immediately made me think of the platform with the world calls today and the church calls today. Yes, we're talking the same language now. A platform. Will you sacrifice the power of God for the highest platform? Will you sacrifice the power of God to have, to to be on that well-known stage? Will you do that? Can I give you something natural that appears spiritual? Will you accept the form of godliness and deny the power thereof, 2 Timothy 3 and 5? Are we willing to sacrifice the power of God for the highest platform? See, Jesus is showing us something here. He's taking us somewhere. So stick with me because we're going somewhere. Verse 6 says, if you are, or the enemy says, if indeed you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. Throw yourself down. You do it. You do it. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Can the enemy get you, get you to buy into the world, God? That would be, let's see, that would be arrogance. That would be a high mind. You can do whatever you want and God will save you. You can do whatever you want and God will rescue you. Luke 18, 9 to 14, are you like the high-minded tax collector? When you pray, do you tell God how wonderful you are? So glad you're not like the others, the other apostles, the other prophets, the other evangelists, pastors, teachers, the other Christians. The other Christians, well, here's a sidebar in a hint. If you're telling others how great and prestigious you are, you're likely telling God the same. Get somewhere, yeah, get somewhere, and sit down, as my mama used to say, and get humble. Get humble, because we are all who we are. Yeah, we are who we are by the grace of God. So if you're the son of God, you can throw yourself down, the enemy is saying. So you can do whatever you want because you know that God will save you. Jesus answered him in verse 7. He said, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This verse is telling us, listen, it's trying to help us to understand that those behavior or means of thinking is you testing God. Thinking that God won't weigh your actions, 1 Samuel 2 and 3, or God won't put an end to your arrogance, Isaiah 3 and 11, as if, as if we are beyond his reach. So he first tells him, you know, go ahead and throw yourself down. Do whatever you want to do, knowing that the enemy, knowing that God will save you. But he is wise in his response, and he's telling us, don't test, don't test God. Don't test God as if he won't weigh your actions. Don't test God as if he won't put an end to your arrogance. Remember, we are never, never beyond the reach of the almighty God. See, when Jesus responds, Jesus is referencing the law there. Remember, we talked about that. The law provides us a foundational 
principles. They provide, provide us several foundational principles. That's what we're standing on today. I'm referring to Deuteronomy 6 and the Amplified Version and verse 16. It says, you shall not put your Lord God to the test as you tested him at Massa. See, what Jesus, even Jesus, even Jesus used the law as a foundation. He referred back to Deuteronomy 6. You don't put God to the test as they did at Massa. He said in verse 17, you shall diligently keep foremost in your thoughts and actively do, the Amplified Version says, the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. See, Exodus 17 and 7 tells us that the word master here, it means testing. It actually means testing and it's derived from a place named by Moses because this is where the Israelites tested Moses. In their frustration, when there was no water to drink, they argued with Moses, nearly stoning him, and they complained. They complained to their leader as to whether or not God was really with them. How many of us can say that we've ever been in that place where we've, we felt we've not felt we've had the provision of God? So because we didn't have the provision of God that we felt that we should have, we lashed out at our leaders and we began to blame them. We began to say to them that everything that you're saying to us, everything that you taught us, it's a lie. God is not with us. God is not with us because if God were with us, we wouldn't have to fight through what's supposed to be a place of freedom. Who ever told you that in this place of freedom, as you titled it, that in this place of deliverance, as you've titled it, that there would not be a struggle, that there would not be a struggle. So we don't turn on our men and women of God as if what they've been telling us is a lie, as what they as if what they've been teaching us is now a lie. See, because when we when we when we lash out at them, we are indeed stoning them. We are indeed we are indeed hitting them with words we are battering them with words because we don't understand we don't understand why god has not provided in the sense in the means that we want him to he has not provided the way we desire him to the israelites went as far as attempting to tell god to give them order how many of you know that we we don't demand things of god we don't demand things of God, but they went as far as to tell God to give them order. The test, the test to trust God was theirs. But what they did was they attempted to flip it. And instead of testing God and not to mention their leader, well, they, they, they tried to flip the test back on God. You brought us out here. You said that you were delivering us. You said that you were taking us towards a better, a better place, or towards a place of more, towards a place of freedom from enslavement. But yet you can't even give us a glass of water is what they were telling God in their arrogance, in their ignorance. And their arrogance and their ignorance. So what am I telling you? It's in our arrogance and in our ignorance that we can in turn accuse God. That's a bit of a sidebar there. That we can accuse God. Let's continue. Verse 8, it says, and again, and I'm back to Matthew 4. Verse 8, it says, again, 
the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. So, so if you won't go to the high mountain, to the high places in your mind, because you don't have an appetite for that, you know, that is, you don't have an appetite for worldly greed, because the enemy says we can still form an alliance. We can still form an alliance through those desires as well. We can form an alliance, so so you don't you don't want the platform. Let me take you. Let me take you someplace else. Let me take you to a very high mountain. Let me show you some things. The enemy told Jesus. Let me show you some things. How many of you? The enemy has sometimes taken you to to a high place. You 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 had no desire for the platform. You had no desire for the high places of the world. So he said, "Let me take you to a high mountain." Let me show you some things, see, because we can renegotiate this contract, he says. And all of this in verse 9, he says, I will give it to you if you bow down and if you worship me. There it is. That's it. That's what the enemy's after. He's after your worship. He's after your worship. He introduces a spiritual concept combined or hidden in our natural desires. What will you worship? He took Jesus up to a high mountain. When the high, when the when the platform didn't work, okay, I'll take you up to a high mountain and I'll show you all the kingdoms, all the world in his splendor. And if you will worship me, he says, if you will worship me. If you, if you, if you, if you will submit your worship to me, then I will give you all of this. Remember now, we're talking about the facts of our faith. We're talking about protecting our worship and our servanthood. Worship here in the Greek and in the Hebrew, it means to kiss the hand towards one in a token of reverence, an expression of profound reverence. In the New Testament, by kneeling in prostration, in a prostration, prostrated form, it means to do a homage, to make um, to make obeisance to one, to make obeisance to one, whether in order to express respect or to make supplication. It's use of the Jewish high priest towards God, to Christ, to heavenly beings, to demons. This is the part of that definition that caught my attention. Your worship can be even used towards demons, towards demons. Verse 10 says, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Let's look at that word serve right there because we're talking about protecting our worship and our servanthood. And that word worship there, it has several meanings. One meaning, diaconi, it means attendance, aid, service. Diaconus, it means attendant, like as in a deacon. Diaconus, focus on the servant's activities and their work and not their relationship to a person, but then there's doulas, and that is servant. And doulas is unlike diaconus, it focuses on the relationship and not the service. This person was someone who was in a permanent relationship of servant to 
to another. It can be translated into a slave, which is the lowest term in the scale of servitude. This is what we're referring to here. When we look at this in Deuteronomy 6, the amplified version, where the law states, remember, as a foundation, Jesus is referring to verse 13, you shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall serve him with all filled reverence and profound respect and swear oaths by his name alone, the, the amplified version says, alone. Verse 14, you shall follow, you shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the people who surround you. We are not to follow any other gods of the people that surround us. That is the people of the world. We are not to lend our servanthood, not even temporary. We are not to lend our servanthood to another. We are not to lend our servanthood to the people that are around us or who surround us, people who are of the world. We are not to lend our servanthood to other gods to other gods. Verse 15 says, for the Lord your God who is among you is jealous. In parentheses in the Amplified Version, it says impassioned God. He's demanding what is rightfully. In the Amplified Version, it says, and uniquely his. What is, he is demanding what is rightfully and uniquely his. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled and burned against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the earth. Now, I'm going back to Matthew 4 and verse 11. It says, after Jesus said this to the devil, that you are not to worship another, you are not to lend your servanthood to another, then the devil left him. And then the angels came and they attended him. The devil never returned to him like that again. Why? Because he could not get him to surrender his worship or his servanthood. It takes submission to worship and power to serve. The world would have us to believe that to submit to God, we cannot, we can't, to submit to a God that we cannot see is to render ourselves as less or as nothing. How about, how about this though? How about we confront that today and declare it as true? How about that? How about we receive it as a fact of our faith because we understand that we are nothing without God. It is in him that we live, that we move, and that we breathe. Acts 17, 28, he is our breath. After all, that is our breath. Genesis 2 and 7, it's him that blew the breath of life into us. This is why he is rightfully demanding our worship and our servanthood. That is uniquely his because only he gave us breath. The fact of our faith is that we confront our inefficiencies and accept those as infallible truths. That proves that God is. The fact of our faith is we stop allowing the enemy to challenge our power in God. 
our servanthood by our own declaration that the God in us is greater than the God of this world. First John 4 4. The fact of our faith is, is we then we action our faith by our declaration, by executing our servanthood, by executing our servanthood, understanding, understanding this, that God is great. And, and for God, for God to be shown as great, we must submit our servanthood to him. So that in the sight of others, it is not a sign of weakness to be submitted to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is not a sign of weakness to admit that no, I only live and breathe in him. I only move in him. It is definitely opposite the world system and it opposes the world's train of thought the fact of our faith is but we that believe in the birth and the life and the death and in the resurrection of jesus christ we receive his gift of salvation it is a gift the fact of our faith is we do not desire the delicacies the high places of this world that is not what we seek after what we run after what we chase after what we chase after are eternal are eternal things of god we are we are we are seeking after that which does not fade away we are seeking after that which does not turn against us after we've placed our faith in it, after we've placed our trust in it, but yet receives us, but receives us to itself. And I'm referring to God here. The fact of our faith is our desires are toward the eternal gifts of God. We are after something that is not temporal and these are these are confessions that we must learn to make with our own mouths some of us we don't have a defense of our faith and because we don't have a defense of our faith we are not able to properly protect our worship and our servanthood the enemy is able to deceive us by 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 taking um that by taking the spiritual thing and and uh, undercurring it undercur undergirding it that's the word I'm looking for undergirding it with the natural thing and he slips it right in on us because why we're not alert we're not alert in Christ and you don't we don't understand that once we submit our worship once we submit our worship to anything that is not God our servanthood follows it. Our servanthood follows it. Much like just in simplicity, just so, something as simple as surfing the web and looking at what everyone else is doing and then attempting to do some of the things that we see others are doing. Why? Because we admire it. Now, it's uh, admire is the natural word, but then slips in our worship of it. Now, all of a sudden, we're mimicking and our servanthood, when I say mimic, our actions that, that are aligned with our servanthood begin to go in that direction as well and next thing you know we are not we have we have not 
because we have not properly protected our worship and our servanthood, we have now become vessels of the enemy. And he uses us according to his will and his purpose. Now, how is he able to do that? He is able to use us because at some point, at some point in time, we came into agreement with him. We came in, we began to, as Matthew 4 and 6, we began to believe that if we, if we threw, if we did throw ourselves down as, as, as Satan tempted God, if we do whatever we want, God will still rescue us. We begin to believe that lie, that we could do whatever we want, and God was still going to rescue us. Even though, and some of us, even though we didn't accept the platform, the huge platform that would get us all the followers, that would get us, that would get us the largest crowds, even though we didn't submit to that, we submitted to the high place that the enemy offered. And we submitted to all the all the activities, all the things that we could have of the world. We submitted to those things. We took those things on. And then there were some of us that decided to go for the platform and we wanted the followers and we put God on it. And we say that it's God that's with us. And we say that it's God that told us to do that. And we say we're doing great things in God when the truth of the matter is we just signed the contract, the enemy's contract on the dotted line and we decided to take the platform or we decided to take the high place or we decided to buy in to arrogance and pride and do whatever it is that we so desire, feeling as if God would rescue us. See, we 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 have to be forever, forever vigilant we, because the enemy, the Bible tells us, he is looking for an opportunity to slip in and he's looking for an opportunity to taint our worship because he knows if I can get their worship, then I can get their servanthood because where their worship is, whatever it is they admire, whatever it is they look to, whatever it is they desire, then their, their actions will follow it. Their servanthood will follow it and they will become it they will become it. they will begin to do they will begin to do if i can just convince them even if i have to slip a little bit of godly principles in there and and let that just kind of cover the worldly thing until they're so engulfed in the worldly thing so entrapped in the worldly thing that they cannot break free, that they cannot break their worship free. They cannot break their servanthood free. Why? Because it would cost them too much. They would lose everything if they lost their worship. They would lose everything if I took away, took back the, the, the platform, if I took back the arrogance, if I took back the pride, if I took back the things that I gave them in the world, they would lose everything. My sisters and brothers, do do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. What God has specifically for you, what he has specifically for you, there is a price to be paid for. Yes, salvation is free. But when you step into the things of God, yes, it will get difficult. And just because it gets difficult or just because things get a little hard or just because Thing, money gets a little tight does not mean that God 
is not with you. How about if God might be trying to protect you, protect you from that place that will cause you to surrender, surrender to pride and arrogance, surrender to the platform, surrender to the worldly goods that you've accumulated, the crowds, the followers, the audience, the everything that comes with the platform, the books, the movies, the, 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 the huge uh, edifices that, that seat 15 and 20,000, the stadiums that you can have full of people there to hear what you have to say. What if all of that, the underlying natural causes of all of that, the underlying natural gifts of all of that are the lying, the stealing, the pride, the arrogance, the, the what if what if all of that is underneath of it? See, we don't know today, and I'm not saying that everyone who has those things have submitted to the enemy. I am not saying that. I am talking to the people of God who are desiring such things to the point where they will surrender their worship and their servanthood to God to have, to sit at the enemy's table, to sit at the enemy's table. Why? Because on Matthew 4 verse 2, because they're hungry, because they're hungry. I'm trying to get you to accept, understand, and know what you have an appetite for so that when the enemy comes and sets a table full of all the delicacies that you prefer because they're easier to have and they're laid out in front of you just as any gourmet meal would be that you don't forfeit the great eternal things that God has for you for temporary things. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. Know what you have an appetite for. Come on, if all my life, if all my life I've come from a place of rejection, when everybody starts accepting me, I should get kind of suspicious. I should get kind of suspicious. The enemy is trying to get me to sign a contract on the dotted line to, to do whatever is in my will to do so that I can have what it is that I desire to have, acceptance, acceptance. If, if, I, if I am that person that has, that has never really had a family, that all of a sudden I'm being received by a certain people that they're my family and they want and their lifestyle does not align with the crisis lifestyle that I've been taught, then that's a that's an alarm going off. Hey, wait a minute, I might be about to submit my worship and my servanthood to something that is not like Christ. If the family that never wanted me around is all of a sudden. It's all of a sudden calling me and running me around. I think I better double check and make sure that I'm not submitting the godly worship and my servanthood to something that is not God, something that God has not uh, required of me. So now I know that that's the enemy getting me to sign on a contract so that I can, so that he can give me, so that he can provide for me. He's trying to get 
get me to submit my worship and my servanthood. If all of a sudden I'm being offered loads of money to do a specific job and under the guise of this is for Christ, and then I look at the fine tune, the fine print of the contract, and I find all the concessions that I have to make to have that amount of money to do that movie, to do that, to do that radio show, of all those concessions, all are against the word of God, then that tells me the enemy is trying to get me to submit my worship and my servanthood. The goal, ladies and gentlemen, is to pay attention to what the enemy, be, be focused, be vigilant, be know when the enemy is trying to slip something in undercover, slip something in that is um that appears to be godly, but it is not godly. It is instead something that is going to get you in and suck you in so deep, so deep that you be too, you be so you ever there are there are people in the world that I am sure. I am sure of that, you know, have just about signed their lives over to the enemy, to the things of the enemy. Okay, you got the, the think about, think about the, the movie star who may have started off in God, and then you got, you got your first acting gig, and you've been waiting forever to get, to get an acting gig. So you get in there, you get the acting gig, you get gig, you get the money, and now all of a sudden, there's a cost that has to be paid for you to get your next role. And some concessions have to be made to get the next role and the role after that and the role after that. Next thing you know, you are in so deep because now you have houses and you have things that you can't afford unless you, if you give up the, the, the acting role, if you give up the singing contract, if you give up the movie contract, now you can't afford the things that you've already that you've already that you've already signed your name to. If you walk away, ladies and gentlemen, you've been deceived by the enemy. You started off right, and then you thought that you were going in the right direction, and then you saw all the undercurrent, all the concessions. What is the enemy asking you to concede today? What is he asking for in exchange for? In exchange for, in exchange for what he's offering. See, we got to look at the whole contract. Why are we doing things that are making us miserable today on a small scale? On a small scale. When, when we, you can already see the enemy at work. The enemy at work. Just because we don't want to walk alone. Just because I've always wanted to be accepted. Just because I've always wanted to fit in. Just because I've always wanted to be a part. Just because I've always wanted to minister on that stage. Just because I've always wanted to sing on that stage. Just because I've always wanted to write that book. And I've always wanted to have the audience. I've always wanted to do the book signing. I've always wanted. I, 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 I. I've always wanted. What do you have an appetite today? For today, I am challenging you again. We're back to that same scripture to examine yourself. Examine yourself. What do you have an appetite for today that might be an opportunity for the enemy tomorrow? What do you have an appetite for today 
that might be an opportunity for the enemy tomorrow. We are to be um, very focused and very, I mean, almost like, almost like laser focused. The scriptures tell us we don't look to the left or the right. We fix our eyes on the promises of God. So anything that's chattering in your ear, trying to get you to look to your left or to your right, these are things that you should be questioning. You should be looking at the word of God and seeing if it measures up. You know, the Bible tells us that if our mother or our father forsakes us, forsake us, then the Lord himself would lift us up, right? So it is if it is as if the Lord lift us up, lifted us up, and then our mother and father came back and said, I want you now. So we came back down from the Lord and said, well, wait a minute, God, not right now. I need you right now because my mother and my father, they're calling for me. You remember there were different points in the scripture, a lot of different points in the scripture where where, where uh, Jesus, as he was calling forth his disciples, one by one, as he called them forth, they were required to leave everything behind and follow him. And some, when they said, well, I can't, there was one that actually came along that was like, what can I do? And he was like, well, you know, sell everything and follow me. And he turned away and walked away disappointed. You have to be willing to sell everything. You have to be willing to let go of everything. You did not get this far. You did not get this far to be sucked back in to the things of the world and the people of the world that God has pulled you away from and distanced you from or the things of the world that God has already told you no and you've already you've already you already you already know that's not for you you have not been pulled away from those things to now right now just on the cusp you're right on the cusp cusp of being exactly what God called you to be you're right there you're right there and you're turning around and going back you're turning around and going back for something that's in your appetite something that's in your appetite let's examine ourselves today i'm encouraging us always i'm always encouraging us to examine ourselves i i tend to look back over the course of my day what did you do what did you say why did you do that? Do I need what did I what do I need to fix? Who do I need to apologize to? What did I allow to manipulate me? Who did I allow to manipulate me because of something I wanted? Because of something I wanted. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is a time where God is moving us into. He's positioning us just just ever so ever so gently into that place that he has for us. And it's up to us to let him. So we can't allow, see the enemy knows where we're standing. We don't know where we're standing. So we can't, so he's like, okay, I can't stop God. This is the enemy. I can't stop God from doing what he's going to do with them. Maybe I can get them to turn around and walk away. Maybe I can get them to back up. Maybe I can get them to forsake God. I'll just tap into what they have an appetite for. And then I'll get them to, to circle back in that direction for the thing that they've always wanted, for the thing that they've always thought they needed, for the thing that they never had, that they've always desired, for that thing, for that thing, for that thing. See, we're pushing God aside. We're pushing God aside for some for, for what's in our appetite. And God is saying, why don't you surrender your appetite to me? Surrender that thing to me because I can give you far, far more than you can ever imagine greater than you could ever imagine. I can meet every need you ever
I've got it all for you if you would just keep your eyes fixed on me. Keep your hopes fixed on me. Keep your trust fixed on me. Keep your faith fixed on me. Guess what? Keep your worship. Keep your worship fixed on me. And allow your servanthood to follow. Keep your worship fixed. Your worship fixed. Fix your worship on me. Fix your worship on God. Fix your worship on God so that your servanthood will follow. Look at the things you do throughout the course of the day. What is it that you serve? What thing is it that you serve? What what person is it that you serve instead of God? Is that person of God? Is that thing of God or is that thing the thing that you've always desired? Is that person the, the appetite, the thing, the relationship you just always wanted? What do what is it? What is it that we're replacing God with? What is it that we're serving instead of God? God, let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you, oh God, that you are still perfecting the body of Christ. I thank you that you alone are perfecting the body of Christ. You're calling us today to examine ourselves, to align our worship with your word, to align our servanthood with your word. And we thank you, oh God, that you are cleansing us from filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, and that you are perfecting holiness in us, God, day by day. You are cleansing us day by day. You are purging us day by day. You are increasing our discernment so that we can recognize when the enemy comes in, so that we can recognize when the enemy tries to slip in, so that we can recognize when the enemy tries to slip in through our desires. We thank you, oh God. Purify our desires now, God. Burn up on the fire, God, our appetites, our worldly appetites and desires for things that you would not have us to have, God. Help us, oh God, to seek you and you alone, God. In the name of Jesus, oh God, from the leadership on down, God, all the way down to the layman, help us, God, to desire you and you alone. Fix our hearts and our minds on you. Fix our appetites on you. Satisfy us today, God, with good things. Satisfy us today, God, with godly things, God. Purify us, God. Burn up in us anything, oh God, that desires anything that is not un- that is not like you. We thank you, oh God, today that you're calling for us. You're still calling for us, God. We thank you, oh God. You're making sure, God, that we don't miss you in this season, that we don't miss you, that we don't bypass you. You're perfecting us. And we thank you so much for perfecting us, God. We give you glory and we give you praise. We give you glory and we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. You, oh God, we give you praise. We give you praise. 
I thank you so much for joining me on this evening. I just wanted to share that word with you. I got you out a little early today. And I thank you. I thank you again for your time. I appreciate your time because you don't have to tune in. You don't have to tune in. And I thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate every listener. And please know today that you are in my prayers. You are in my prayers. If you're under the sound of my voice, then I am praying for you. I'm praying for your families, that God will increase you in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding in him. In him. I thank you today for joining me. Have a blessed, 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 blessed evening. Thank you. Mm -hmm.